Hello, everyone. This is Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister, the Disrupt Meister. Welcome to the This Week in Bitcoin show. Today is May the 29th, 2020. Strong hand, long-term thinking. Bitcoin is next Bitcoin. Unconfiscatable, golden age. One Bitcoin equals one Bitcoin. Okay, I'm offended by selling. Dudes, we got an all-star cast here today. Boris is coming in from the Netherlands. BTC Benny is in uh, beautiful, lovely Calgary, Alberta, Canada. All right. So let's 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 jump into this right now because there's been a lot of uh, uh, there's been gossip news there's been legitimate news let's start uh, with BTC Benny uh, Goldman Sachs said that uh, Bitcoin wasn't a real uh, asset class now I, I just want to preface this by just saying it's newsworthy okay but Bitcoin really doesn't care what Goldman Sachs thinks of it obviously. And I think we all could have predicted what Goldman's, they're going to try to downplay it for as long as possible. So for me, it, it, it wasn't that shocking. And I, I, don't want to, I don't want to put them on a pedestal. Bitcoin doesn't need Goldman Sachs' approval, but take it away, Ben. Yeah, I mean, I, I looked at, at the leak of like the deck that, that they were using. And I mean, it just reads like 2014 FUD. Like did, did, Somebody, somebody like researched a bunch of stuff and used links from 2014, 2015 and just used that whole playbook and ignored everything since that point in time. Like they literally, there's a slide there where they compare Bitcoin to the tulip mania. Like how many times are we going to hear that? Like the tulip mania was contained within a single year and Bitcoin's been around for over a decade at this point. Like at what point? do you stop having to use that narrative? I would have assumed immediately, but apparently not. Um, and yeah, I don't, I don't know. I just, I found the whole thing to be unimportant. Um, but also I, I a little bit wonder if it's to the point where behind the scenes, they're actually starting to dabble just a little bit. Um, it, it, it gave me flashbacks to the big short where they keep on the you know they keep on saying like no 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 this it's this is still rated well the the ratings agencies were all in on everything and everybody but behind the scenes they're actually buying up a bunch of uh, you know they're actually buying up a bunch of these uh, de uh credit default swaps and until they get positioned to a point where they're okay to say oh yeah actually this is actually legitimate so like e either way at some point when there's that capitulation and there's an admission of, you know what, this is a legitimate asset that, that is probably a good thing to hold, they will have already come to that conclusion far before they ever say that publicly. So I don't know how far along that, that line they are, but at some point, whatever they're saying will be lies as they're purposely in the background doing the opposite. So we'll see when that happens. Okay, good. You, you, very rational approach to all this. Uh, didn't change your mind about Bitcoin. How, how about you, uh, Boris? Uh, your thoughts on Goldman uh, downplaying Bitcoin? 
Yeah, it's the most horrendous FUD. And I agree completely with Benny that this is, this is straight out of 2014, 2015. It's really terrible. And what I find amazing, I, I don't really believe that there's some political agenda. I think they're just plain dumb. There's some people who put together these kind of reports and have to do it every year. And it's just someone who really doesn't understand anything about Bitcoin. And I mean, we've seen the examples, even, even JP Morgan uh, has changed their minds. You know, I mean, even Jamie Dimon, I mean, he was the, the, the biggest, uh, the, the biggest Bitcoin hater in the world. And he apparently changed his mind. We've seen some reports from uh, Deutsche Landesbank, which is a German bank. And they basically, they took most of the work from plan B and, and uh, they used it to build a really solid investment case for Bitcoin. And I mean, this is the kind of work I expect from a bank, but I mean, this stuff is, I mean, it's really, it's, it's quite pathetic to be honest. It was like an intern maybe did it, uh, or they just, they didn't want to, that's very interesting about the German bank. Uh, I hadn't heard about that. So they did some legitimate research. Well, actually, in, in the beginning, they just plain copied the work of uh, of Plan B, and then Plan B sent them an, a message on Twitter, and actually, they they became quite close, I believe. But they uh, they rectified it and, and put his name uh, with the research, and uh, that's interesting because, as some people know, Plan B is also quite high up in the financial world, and. Uh, the way that he um, quantifies uh, Bitcoin's price or, or, or value uh, is, I mean, it's really solid. It's really hard to uh, to 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 uh, pull the rug under this model. And um, yeah, actually, I'm 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 surprised that there's not more banks that are actually picking up on it openly and using that research in their papers. You know, it's interesting you bring up uh, Plan B. Uh, we just had the having all about uh, supply and demand. And this, these last few days, we've heard that Grayscale, which is GBTC, Barry Silver, whatever you want to call it, is buying up more Bitcoin than is being produced. Uh, BTC, Benny, you, you heard about this, right? I did. Uh, it, crazy numbers, actually. I think they, they it was, what, a a third more than than the block rewards subsidy like that i it's it's some insane number either way the amount of bitcoin newly minted bitcoin coming onto the market is being gobbled up more than that by a single entity and if you look at also you, you can side by side and and see comparisons with uh just cash app retail investment people coming in and just buying bitcoin uh, they were already taking a huge chunk of of what would have been like the block subsidy. So like just between Cash App and GBTC buying up Bitcoin already, there's a there's a definite pinch on supply. And I'm I'm wondering if this time around uh, it, we things we see things propel a little bit quicker because there was there's you know the exact same supply pinch back in 2016. Uh, but we did see like a post having dump and it be, mostly because people bought, <laughs> bought the rumor and sold the news. Uh, not as much this time. Like, in fact, we're kind of peeking back up a little, you know, 94, 95, you know, back into the 9,000s and everything. Um, I'm wondering if the, the panic that happened in March contributed to 
some miners that had their treasuries kind of cleared out to keep on keep on running during that time. I'm I'm curious what impact that had, but regardless, there is a lot of demand for very very little supply, and we're starting to see that now. Um, and I've got to say, like it's impressive that that Bitcoin is doing how well it has, and even in the face of again like the the financial fallout from everything that's going on in the world, just to start to recover, the the Fed had to print trillions and pump it into equities markets. Bitcoin has more than recovered. In fact, like an additional, what, 50% on top of the, where we were before the panic dump in March with no intervention from any third party. Bitcoin completely recovered on its own. We didn't have to print a ton of money to achieve that. So all around, just kind of impressive. And it's beginning to speak to the scarcity of this digital asset. Again, like now, the most scarce asset on the planet now. Does, so what's going on right now with, with uh, Barry Silver buying up all the Bitcoin uh, and Cash App? Uh, does it give you more confidence in the stock to flow? Um, I don't know if I've ever asked you about uh, your, your take on stock to flow, that model. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, if I, again, I, a lot of it, as far as the numbers go, are beyond my expertise. But from listening to experts that have actually gone and looked at the model and dissected it in comparison to other, uh, other financial assets and in comparison to things like gold, it seems to hold up. And it's, he's done some very interesting work on, on um, uh, a time series model, which was the original stock to flow and added some updates to that to get more accuracy. And then he's got the the phase shift version, which is a cross asset model, which maps Bitcoin and like its epochs of narratives and then puts silver and gold on that line as well. And it seems to, it makes a really nice, perfect straight line with these clusters of, of price points. And so I, I think there's something there now. I mean, models aren't meant to hold forever. Eventually they all break, but you can, potentially for a, a certain window of time, get an idea of projecting out. And, and he's said multiple times, this is not meant to be like a, a specific kind of dollar. It's more like a, an order of magnitude. You get to kind of project out where, what giant range we're going to be within in a certain epoch. So, it, you know, we'll know if it holds in the next couple of years here. And then it'll just be a matter of whether it holds for another having after that. All right, Boris, uh, you, you were the one that brought up stock to flow, but uh, what, what do you think about uh, all this Bitcoin being purchased by just a couple entities? Yeah, that's, that's how it goes. <laughs> I mean, I'm not surprised at all. Actually, what I uh, find really interesting is what's happening to gold. Uh, and I'm really, I'm not a gold buck. I don't own any gold. I mean, it's really, it's not for me, but I, but I follow it. And I've noticed that, uh, uh, especially in the Netherlands, there, it's, it's practically impossible to buy physical gold. All the stores, they're sold out. There is w weeks and weeks of waiting lists. And um, even if you want to buy a little bit, it's not possible. And that's interesting. And that means that there's a lot of boomers who are trying to opt out, get out of the stock market, who still believe in gold. And they want to get their hands on some. And I'm just sitting there like, hello, I mean, is nobody noticing Bitcoin? Because if this is happening to gold and you can't buy any gold and you can't get out of 
uh, into an asset like gold, it might be time to just take a look at what Bitcoin can offer you. And actually, I think that's what's happening. And um, uh, uh, I'm quite skeptical about uh, uh, about the ETFs and, and uh, all these companies offering sort of like Bitcoin services or some some paper Bitcoin product. Um, I'm skeptical of that. But if I talk to investors and I, I talk to people who are actually um, uh, into that scene, they're all really enthusiastic about it because they say, yeah, I can hold Bitcoin without the risk of actually owning Bitcoin. And, you know, they're afraid of storing maybe a million uh, dollars in Bitcoin and, and putting it on a hardware wallet under the sink. I mean, that's a horrible idea. I can imagine if you're like, if you're 60 something and you have to do that, that's terrible. But um, the idea that they that they will use these products to actually get our, get, get involved into the Bitcoin, it's fine. It's okay with me. I, I don't care. If, as long as people start seeing it, uh, and, and learning about it. And listen, about the, let's talk to flow thing. Eh? What, what's interesting, when I was on your show for the first time, we talked about this whole phase idea. Um, and we talked about how Bitcoin has uh, some uh, economic properties. And once those economic, economic properties are, are played out, it will gain political properties and we'll see a completely different Bitcoin. So everything, and that's, that, that's what I really love about Plan B's model. It's everything that's in there is something is, is stuff that every Bitcoiner who's been been in it for a couple of years actually feels in their DNA. You know, it's it's such beautiful stuff. I mean, the scarcity, the digital scarcity, the the uh, the way it's adopted, the phases in which it's adopted. It's every Bitcoiner has seen this and feels it, and he just puts it on paper and puts a number on it. That's brilliant. That's really brilliant. Uh, so did you have a good having <laughs> talking about phases? I mean, we, we, we entered a new phase here. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, we had a, we had an online party uh, in the Netherlands and we had like, I don't know, we had, we had like 1500 people watching our, our, our live party and it, it was good. I mean, there's lots of Bitcoiners in the Netherlands. Right. It's, it's good to be on the other side of the having now and uh, getting ready for the, the 2024 one. Uh, you always got to be looking forward, but yeah, it, it will be interesting to see how, all of this uh, plays out now that, I mean, back in 2016, we didn't hear about, you know, specific entities buying up huge chunks of the new Bitcoin being mined. And now we are. So this is, this is different. Uh, this is different. So I, I, I'm very much looking forward to seeing uh, how this turns out, if we're going to actually really notice this in the next few months. Because it, it, the price didn't zoom up uh, last time until it was seven months afterwards, eight months, until it was the next year. So maybe it'll happen before 2021. I don't know. It's, it's good to be alive to even see all this stuff. So I, I, I'm real happy about that. Okay, pound that like button, everyone. We're going to talk about the past real, real fast here. Uh, there's someone out there that pretends to be uh, Satoshi Nakamoto, whoever this may be. Uh, and he's got court cases. He's a big uh, legal dude, okay? He likes to get into lawsuits and stuff. And uh, he, he, people found out... Uh, the, the, the addresses that were listed in that he claims are his, uh, they, they were not previously uh, revealed in the, the, the trust that he made up or whatever. And someone out there, uh, uh, once the addresses, the public addresses were revealed, someone out there signed the addresses. So, so these 11 year old addresses. So one of my big takeaways from this is that, yeah, obviously they're not the fake guy's coins, okay? Someone else signed them. I mean, that, that, you should have known that already, okay, people? But somebody out there has been hanging on to Bitcoin for 11 years. 
And, and that dude isn't Satoshi Nakamoto either, the person who did this signing. So uh, BTC Benny, what's, what are your thoughts on this situation? I mean, it speaks to the resolve of that person. 11, well, I mean, however, it, it was shortly thereafter, right? It was, it was, it was, it was a few months. Yeah, months, weeks, it was very soon after, yeah. Yeah, so it was very, very early Bitcoin. Um, and they're just sitting, imagine, imagine that individual sitting on that kind of money this long and, and having the keys, having access to them and having the resolve to not touch them. Now, I mean, of course, this individual, if they have that much uh, conviction around the value proposition of Bitcoin, they likely have Bitcoin elsewhere that they got later on down the line and they, they've utilized those um, and they're probably keeping some, some of those safe, but they, they clearly saw an opportunity where, you know, they're, they're not worried about, they're not going to be moving those coins or anything. And they just wanted to, you know, stick it to a fraud. Uh, you know, they, they, they saw the opportunity and jumped at it, but again, very, very impressive. It speaks to the quality of people and the consistency that some some of these hard hardcore Bitcoiners have in in really recognizing and being unwavering in their support of of this amazing new technology and the uh, the tearing down of the old world in order to construct a new one. Uh, I, I love it. I love that somebody just sitting around. Yeah, I'm going to sign this message because I don't like this guy. Yes, that was it, quite quite interesting how this all, all all played out. And you make a good point, though. Uh, if he was in that early, he probably uh, also has some other Bitcoin at some other addresses that aren't associated with those ones that maybe he, he cashed out already. I mean, I mean, you, you got to think. I mean, you got that much Bitcoin. Get get your, your get yourself a car or something like that. I mean, I'm offended by selling, okay, but this dude. I mean, I mean. Uh, props to him. Pro, pro, Eleven years—that's amazing. So I, I would think that maybe he mined some afterwards, and maybe he did get rid of some already and bought a car for himself. Who knows? Who knows what? He's, uh, but but good that he also uh, just made it so obvious that somebody was a fraud. I mean, now no one can argue. But we're we're going to actually get into that in a second. The Electrum thing, Ben. We'll we'll, we'll talk about that. But uh, Boris, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, what's really interesting is that there's some legal consequences to this uh, to this message, and that's um, uh, he. Um, I don't know if you don't want to name his name on purpose, but I'll call him fake. Call Toshi. him fake Toshi. Call fake, fake Toshi. Toshi. Yeah. He um, he submitted these addresses to the court uh, and claimed that he had ownership over the keys, and um, the fact. I mean, this message proves that he doesn't. That means that he committed perjury, <laughs> and that means that we might actually see him go to jail for lying to the court and of course we all know that he never had access to these to these to these private keys he never he, he might have the coins on the disk but he doesn't have the uh, the private keys so otherwise he would have spent them uh, years ago but um so this is really interesting so i i really loved how he started claiming that he sent a first he, he told everybody that he was hacked uh, that was not really a good argument because why would you send a message and not just take the coins uh, that are uh, that are on the addresses? Uh, and then he said, yeah, I send it myself. <laughs> like he's going to send a message because he has to do that because otherwise he's he's committed perjury. So he has to say like, yeah, I send this message to prove that, <laughs> that I have ownership of these private keys. 
and that's insane. I mean, who would send a message uh, like that about talking about himself that he's a fraud? That's crazy. So it's just such a beautiful, ridiculous situation. Uh, this can only happen in Bitcoin. You know, it's, well, just, it's like a soap series. And, and the other thing about it is if he signed that message with those keys, that means he lied in saying that he doesn't have access to be able to move them, which means he's now on the hook for like the couple billion dollars that he would owe owe to the the estate that is taking him to court in the first place Absolutely, so yeah. he's trying to ride this line of i am satoshi but i don't have this money but it's mine like it's incredible it's impossible he has to either pay up like 50 percent of of, of of the 1.1 million bitcoin or go to jail for perjury <laughs> that's that's just a that's a, between a rock and a hard place that's a tough situation yeah. it is great that in, in in with bitcoin you you can prove ownership by doing what was done and you can still remain anonymous too. I mean, nobody knows who this, this person is. So it, it does show some, some beautiful aspects of, of Bitcoin. Now, uh, an ugly side of the space that it shows is that still, still, and I don't get this, still some people believe that fake Toshi is, uh, it just shows the cult mentality some people have in their head. They have to follow a strong leader uh, to, to the very end. Some people still believe it. And BTC Benny, you told me that someone over at Electrum, say, say what happened here. Yeah, so uh, I was looking on Twitter, Jameson Lopp tweeted out, he said, fun development this week for anyone who uses Electrum compatible wallets, the lead maintainer of Electrum X server has snapped and all future releases will be Bitcoin SV only. Now to tag on to that, um, luckily, some of the rockstar dev tweeted out seems electrum wallet devs are stepping up uh in to fork and do the right thing so they're going to do a fork of electrum x server so that people can continue using bitcoin with electrum and connecting any electrum compatible wallets to it um and then in addition to that there's now a plugin uh what's it called it's called uh, I'm not even sure the name. Anyways, it's it's a plugin for Electrum Wallet that allows instead of running an Electrum X server, you can just uh, integrate it with Bitcoin Core. So you can just connect it to your own node um, externally and not have to run an Electrum server. So already there's a fork and then another solution that allows you to not even have to run Electrum server. Um, so, but I, again, yeah, what you're saying as far as this cult, mentality around these figureheads and it's it's funny because people always say bitcoin is a cult but it's it couldn't be further from a cult because everybody is constantly at each other's throats and is thinking so adversarially that if if i were to tweet anything tomorrow that seems like kind of not on the side of bitcoin everybody would be questioning like my facts they'd be like checking into um, my actions previously checking like my consistency of narratives they'd be you know actually check if it was tech related they'd be checking like the code to verify what i said again bitcoiners are so in the realm of don't trust verify and push that narrative by trying to run their own nodes and and self-verify the the protocol and their utxos themselves um whereas you get into a, a space like bitcoin sv and you've just got this person who's like their deity and they're saying, oh, glorious leader, tell us what to do next. Explain the magical ways that you've, you've 
had played 40 chess with the rest of the world. Like it's so ridiculous it, where the mentality of don't trust verify got converted into trust this dude. <laughs> it's, it's insane to me. I don't get it. Yeah. Good contrast right there. You just made a uh, bars. Do you have any thoughts on uh, uh, big, big egos and uh, people worshiping big egos or anything? <laughs> yeah. And maybe also big bags. I can imagine this, that stuff like this is driven by people's people holding large bags of altcoins. Uh, and I can imagine, I mean, I've seen people stray from the path and fall into the Bcash uh, trap. And once you're in there and maybe, I don't know, you're invested in it and there's no way back and it gets worse and you go from bad to worse and you buy the dip and it ends up being the top and um, yeah, and you end up like giving your project uh, away to uh, to BSV for no apparent reason. It's it's really uh, it's it's really a sad story, um, and I think time will deal with these people. And uh, um, yeah, there's just no way no way of running from the truth. And we see the collapse of the altcoins, and there won't be another alt season. Nobody believes in it. even if it does exist, or even if it will come back in some form, it will be focused on retail, some retail people who still want to buy it, but not the institutional investors. They don't really, tr they, they don't trust it at all. They will never put any money in something like BSV. It just won't happen. It's going to be Bitcoin and, and yeah, the next battle will be with the central bank digital currencies. Yeah, I, I, I will say this, what you just said about BSV and institutional investors, of course they would not, if they look at BSV as a company, you would not invest in a company with a, that, that dude as your CEO, of course. And, and that's the way institutional investors would, would look at something like that, obviously. But I, I do think some of them, uh, they will want to diversify for the sake of diversification. And uh, we'll, we'll see some altcoins pumped. I mean, de definitely Ethereum is, is, is loved by, 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 by certain people. So, but, but something like BSV, yeah, I, no, I, I don't see how anyone in their right mind would... Uh, that, that controls a lot of money would, would want to be in that. And you bring up the bags, okay? And I, I actually didn't think about this. Yes, if you for some reason have bags of BSV, if you turned your precious Bitcoin into BSV, yeah, I can see how you would keep the lie alive, like this guy Satoshi, even if you know it's not, I mean, because you're just trying to bail yourself out. I never, I never thought about that side of it because I don't like to think about BSV very much. But that's a sad... Uh, yeah, that, that, that's the, a sad reality there that you brought those up. Those banks that decide to diversify, if they do that, are going to get wrecked. Like the, I did a, um, uh, what was it, in 2017, mid-2017, Brian Kelly got on CNBC and did a, a picture of a well-diversified crypto portfolio. And I broke it down and I did a post-mortem on what happened <laughs> and what, what happened to your money. I said, if you put in 10K with this allocation, um, wh where would you be at today? And in terms of dollars, you would have been up like this was like at some point last year. Uh, but in terms of dollars, you would have been up, you would have been at like 13 K. But then when we broke it down by asset, it was insane. You basically lost money on everything except Bitcoin two coins. You were just kind of break even maybe just slightly above. And all of your gains came from Bitcoin. In fact, the gains from Bitcoin made up for the extreme losses that you suffered in everything else. And I further broke it down and looked at the opportunity cost of not just holding Bitcoin. And literally by doing, by doing that well-diversified portfolio, you lost half of your Bitcoin, half of your Bitcoin 
in like a two year span. Uh, it was insane. I, I remember this. You did an excellent job with that because it boils down to my big saying, value your wealth in freaking Bitcoin. All the altcoin traders don't do that. They, they, there's some guys that are probably naive to this very day and say, oh, I did so well in dollars. They don't understand if they would have held Bitcoin, it would have done a, a heck of a lot better. Well, I, I'm glad we, we've transitioned into altcoins here because I'm going to pop a surprise question to you guys that I don't know if you guys are even aware of. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll start with Boris. Uh, Tether in terms of market cap surpassed Ripple, okay? It flipping Ripple. So it's Tether has the number three market cap now in all of cryptocurrency. What does that say about the space? I mean, I, to me, it's just like, we've got a lot of degenerate gamblers here that are just addicted to Tether. But, uh, and well, I, I'm no fan of Ripple or anything like that, but uh, any thoughts on that, Boris? Uh, no, I I think Tether is used mainly on exchanges for people who want to exit their positions for a short while into something that resembles US dollars and then only to return back to uh, Bitcoin later. Um, yeah, it, it's a lot of it's a lot of money. <laughs> I really I, I, I have no idea where the uh, where the liquidity comes from. But actually, I, I, there's a time when I doubted the Bitfinex story. And then I, I I spent some time looking at it and I don't really doubt it anymore. I mean, they they were in 2007, there were so many people buying Bitcoin on Bitfinex and they had to go through Tether. Uh, that's how I, I mean, Tether didn't pump Bitcoin. They didn't pump Bitcoin. It was just people buying Bitcoin with using Tether. And um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I assume that the same thing is still happening. I, clearly, it, it, it's, it's quite popular if uh, they can keep on printing it or whatever they're doing. And uh, it surpassed uh, Ripple in, in terms of market cap. So what's your take on that, uh, BTC, Benny? Well, it's interesting because I, I find that stable coins don't really, if, if you're trying to look at market cap, which is already a terrible indicator and like dominance, market dominance, it's just the most ridiculous indicator ever. Um, but if you're looking at it from that perspective, I mean, enough money flows into Tether. It could easily, it could easily flip Bitcoin as the number one coin because there are an, if, when your measurement is dollars, there are an infinite number of dollars. And so you could easily pump $150 billion into Tether like that's that's a drop in the bucket compared to the trillions of dollars that have been printed out there. Um, it, I'm not saying it's going to happen right away, but it, w when you're measuring in dollars, you can always print more dollars, and thus your market cap of your dollar-denominated uh, stablecoin. I almost used another word uh, would reflect that it is worth more dollars because more dollars are sitting in it. Absolutely, but um, I I think. The other interesting thing about this as to play as devil's advocate for these stable coins is um, uh, so I, I uh, was chatting with the guys at Ledin who are based in Canada, but the, one, the co-founder Mauricio is from Venezuela. And so they're trying to provide stuff uh, to a lot of people in Latin America and they're trying to utilize some stable coins as a way for people to flow out of their local currency via Bitcoin and then get exposure to dollars because what they're it's it's almost like orange pilling people as they try to attain stable value 
through the dollar, which is like the most stable of the fiat currencies. Um, and so they're getting people in Argentina, for instance, are trying to get out of their local currency and they now see, okay, well, I have to get this thing called Bitcoin and then I have to convert it into USDC so that I can ha have a stable a stable store of value in comparison to my local currency. And so in the process, they then get exposed to Bitcoin and they, they probably start to, some of them at least will start to go down that rabbit hole of, okay, well, what, what is this thing? Why am I going through this? And through comparison, I think over time, a lot of those people will eventually migrate to Bitcoin because they understand the reason they had to flee their own currency to the dollar is the same reason that people will eventually have to flee the dollar to Bitcoin is because you're going towards the most scarce digital currency, digital money, digital anything out there. Um, so, I mean, I, I, again, a stable coin is just counterparty risk piled upon counterparty risk already like already there's no stability and you have no control over the the dollar but um then you just add in the is there enough money in the coffers to back this one-to-one -one with the already terrible fiat that's backing it so yeah <laughs> double-edged sword all right pound that like button part two will be available here in less than 24 hours tune in then